Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. This is verse 1. It says, Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline and help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to help them do what is right, just, and fair. So, God literally gave us a book in the Bible that's, that the purpose in which it was given and written was to teach us how to live a successful life. God wants us to succeed. You need to get that in your spirit as well. John 10.10, Jesus said, The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and life abundantly. So say this. Say, God wants me to have life abundantly. God wants me to succeed in my business. God wants me to succeed in my career. God wants me to succeed in my investments. God wants me to have abundance in every single area of my life. But there's practical steps to that. So one of the steps, think of this, Proverbs says, if you'll read these instructions, it will cause you to be disciplined and successful. One thing you cannot escape in the book of Proverbs is there's a constant theme that says, seek after wisdom like you would hidden treasure. Seek after knowledge like like it's the, the keys to life. It actually says multiple times. The theme of wisdom and knowledge at the forefront of what you pursue in life. And if you'll understand, that's how the wealthy think. That's how the elite class think. You know, they don't even know that they're doing something biblical, but they're constantly educating themselves. They're constantly, think about this. You know, a stupid person is just trying to get lucky in life, right? Oh, I'm going to throw some money in the stock market. Maybe it'll land on something good. And I'll become like, like the Bitcoin guys or the GameStop guys. I'll just make a million dollars overnight. You know, you're thinking like a moron. God's not into get-rich-quick schemes. So how does a wealthy person think? Look, I'm not just trying to get something that just, that's just lucky, a one-time, here's my, my golden goose that just lays a golden egg for me. No, what they say is, I, I don't want to just get lucky. I want to learn how the market works. If I can learn how the market works, I won't, get, I won't have to get lucky because I'll, I'll be able to identify waves that are coming, trends. And then when a wave is starting, I'll get in it on the ground level and I'll ride it and then it'll go and then another wave will come. And if I can learn how these things work and learn what trends and learn how the market flows and learn these terms, then I can have success. This is what the Bible teaches. There was a man in Africa that his mentor came to the United States, did ministry, came back, brought all of his guys that he discipled together, threw this duffel bag on the, on the table. They opened it up. It was filled with money, filled with stacks and stacks of money. He looked at them all and said, take as much as you want for your family. You can have as much. Take, take a few handfuls. The man closed the bag and looked at his mentor and said, I don't want the money that's in the bag. I want to know what you did to get the money in the bag. That's the difference between a get rich quick, I just hope I get lucky in life, and somebody who cherishes knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. That's what the book of Proverbs opens up by saying. 
seek after wisdom like you would hidden treasure? If you do, this is a key to success in life. Can you say amen? Discipline. Y'all with me? Hopefully I didn't lose too many people. I know maybe I'm getting into something deep right now. Let me try to lighten it up, make it more practical. So number one, why is it important that I read the Bible? Let's get back to this. Hosea 4, 6, for a lack of knowledge, people perish. Very simply, you cannot have what you don't know. You know, the Bible, there's no way, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Let's, let's take a couple principles. Let's talk about prosperity. The Bible teaches the blessing of the Lord. The Bible teaches in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. The Bible teaches that, that we've received the same blessing Abraham had. Galatians chapter 3. You read the life of Abraham. He, he, he was multiplied in silver and gold and servants and livestock. His sons, Isaac, blessed. Jacob, blessed. The blessing of Abraham transcended into the generations that came after him and made them wealthy. The Bible teaches the blessing. right? The Bible teaches seed time and harvest. That what a man sows will be multiplied and he'll always reap what he sows. That if you give, it'll be multiplied and given back to you. Let me tell you this. The Bible teaches this, but this is not things that I grew up knowing my entire life. Number one, you know, my parents, I remember them tithing. Uh, I don't know if they tithed consistently, but I remember my parents tithing somewhat when I was a kid. But they didn't know what they were doing. Right. Well, I know I'm supposed to like give God 10% because uh, I guess the preacher told me to. And then when I grew up, I went to, you know, Dallas, went to Bible college in Dallas, the headquarter for like liberal Christianity in Texas. And then they start telling you stuff like, right, you don't need to tithe. You're, we're in the minute. The tithe, that's in the old covenant. That's, that's the law. You know, all this stupid stuff. And so what happened? I went into the ministry and we suffered. We lacked. I remember my first year in ministry, me and my wife were, were in the uh, food box line trying to get some noodles and some spaghetti sauce. We needed some money to buy groceries. Trying to budget every little penny that we had, it was just never enough. Because we weren't... Look, why? For a lack of knowledge, I was perishing. Now let me tell you something. That happened for two years. And then all of a sudden, I heard the Word of God. And I heard... Men of God like Kenneth Copeland, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, many men of God. There's, there's too many to list. That begin the word of God in regards to prosperity, the blessing of the Lord, the laws of sowing and reaping. My eyes were opened. All of a sudden I had a revelation saying, hey, hold on a second. I don't have to be poor. Hey, hold on a second. God's will for me is abundance where my cup overflows. And it was just so irrefutable in the scripture. But then not only was was it, oh, I understand that it's God's will for me. Now I actually see the method in which to obtain it according to the Scripture, through giving, through sowing seed and expecting a harvest, believing for a 30, 60, 100-fold, or my brother Uchenna, which I agree with, a 100-fold harvest. Are you with me? So, in one year, when I begin to apply those principles, when I begin to tithe and I begin to sow seed in faith, I literally saw my finances, I think in the first year, double, and by a year and a half, triple. So for two years, it was like, you know, struggle, struggle, struggle. And then all of a sudden, double and triple within a year and a half, my financial income. So did God change his mind about me? 
Did God finally decide, well, I think I'm going to bless John. I like John here. You know, he's done enough. No, I was perishing for a lack of knowledge. I didn't know what the word said in regards to my financial prosperity, to my physical supply. I didn't know El Shaddai. I didn't know Jehovah Jireh. I didn't know anything about that. And so I wasn't lacking for a lack of it being God's will. I was lacking for a, a lack of knowledge and understanding. So here's this the very simple thing. So many Christians lack things in their life because they don't even know the word of God. So they never put their faith out to receive the promises of God. You can't believe for something that you don't know. You can't believe for God to heal you if you don't know about the God who heals you. You can't believe for God to prosper you and bless you and open doors for you if you don't know about the God of abundance that blesses you, that sets you among princes, you, that, that you humble yourself, that He will exalt you. Amen. You can't have what you don't know. Look at this. Hebrews 11.33. I love this verse. You read Hebrews chapter 11. It's an entire chapter that teaches about faith, teaches about the great men of faith, teaches about Abraham, teaches about prophets, it teaches about Moses, it teaches all these patriarchs we read in the Bible, how they did all these amazing things, and it says they did it all by faith. Look at this verse. By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received, say received, what God had promised them. There's a difference between God promising something and receiving, actually receiving what God promised you. A lot of people, you know, they know that there's these promises floating out there somewhere, but the difference between a person who knows that there's this promise that they've heard about and a person that actually possesses it and sees it come to fruition in their life is faith. By faith, these people receive what God promised them. So get this, it's not enough... It's not enough because it's irrefutable. It's irrefutable that Jesus Christ paid for our physical healing. Matthew 8, 17. He took our sicknesses. He removed our diseases. Isaiah 53, 5. By his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. It's irrefutable. But it's not enough that God gave us the promise. You have to possess it by faith. If you don't possess that promise by your faith, then it, it's, it, he might, it, it, it does nothing for you. It's meaningless to you. There's 8,000 promises, 8,000 plus promises in this word, and you can't have a single one of them until you possess it by faith. We could talk about faith all day long. How do I possess it by faith? Well, very simple. Let me give you a faith formula. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. That's how you receive salvation, right? The Bible teaches that we're saved by faith. Romans 10, 9, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So very practically, how do I exercise my faith? I have to believe it first in my heart. How do I believe it in my heart? You can't believe something in your heart you've never seen. So what does this mean? Let me give you an example here. Show you how faith worked for me. Look at Mark 11, 24. A scripture I love to preach out of. Mark 11, 24 says this. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. 
Jesus said, I tell you, you can pray for anything. Say anything. Look at that word. You can pray for anything. And if you believe you received it, it will be yours. Let me show you how faith practically works. One day, Johnny's reading through his Bible and he comes to Mark 11 and he starts reading. And then he gets to verse 24 where Jesus said, you can pray for anything. And now all of a sudden, my mind says, wait, I can pray for anything. And if I believe I received it, I'll have it. Now my mind opens up. What is anything? If you look at that Greek word anything, it means pos. It means all things, everything, anything without exception. That means Jesus said I could have, there's no limit to what I could have. If it's something, it falls into the category of anything. And Jesus said I could have anything if I believed that I received it, I'd have it. Now all of a sudden, I was so limited, right? I had these blinders on. I put God in this little bitty box. This is what he can do. This is what he can't do. But now all of a sudden my mind explodes. Wait, I can believe God for a car. That's something, right? I can believe God for a job. That's something. I can believe God. And now my mind is expanded. My faith is expanded because I, by the word, I saw the promise. And now I believe that promise in my heart. But that's not enough. What did he say? You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. So how does faith work? First, I have to see it. Then I have to believe it. Now I have to confess it. I confess. I receive. You know, instead of just waiting around moping, oh, I wish things were different. I wish I had more money. I wish that I had better opportunities. I wish I had a better car. I wish I had a better house. I wish, you know, no. You begin to claim those things. And confess, I, I've received that. That belongs to me. This is mine. I am blessed. My, my bank account will overflow. You begin to command it with authority. So this is how you possess something by faith. You have to believe it in your heart first. You have to confess it with your mouth. I know Jonathan Shuttlesworth said, I love this. He said, before David ever slayed Goliath with the stone, he's killed him with his word. David stood before the giant and said, Today the Lord delivers you into my hand. Today I feed your body to the birds, to the fowl of the earth. David believed the word of the Lord in his heart. He confessed it with his mouth. And he he killed Goliath with his faith before he ever killed him with the stone and with the sword. Are you with me? So, very simply, why do I need to read my Bible? Because most Christians are ignorant. There's so many promises, right? Most Christians are walking around with masks on their face still. I, I, I need to, I, I just hope I don't get COVID. I, you know, we need to be smart. We need to, are they bad people? No, I don't think they're bad people. I think that they're ignorant of the word. I think that the only word that they ever get is something that some faithless church has preached to them their whole life. You know, they come in and let's just do three little Hokey pokey steps to, to making awesome Christmas sugar cookies around New Year's Eve. I don't know, you know, whatever. Like, they, they're not being taught this. They don't have a relationship with their word. And so exactly, Claire knows exactly where I'm going. They don't have a relationship with their word. They're not in their word. They're just living their life. And then they come to like some seeker friendly thing that, that takes one verse on Sunday morning and tries to like, hey, let's, let's do movie, let, let's do a, a church at the movies and let's talk about like little simple life principles and we'll throw a little verse from, 
you know, Hezekiah in there to make it relevant and bring the Bible into it. That's the kind of junk that people, like, that's the only intake of the Word of God that most quote-unquote modern Christians have. And so they're ignorant. They're walking around getting vaccinated. They're walking around with a, with a mask on their face. They're walking around in complete fear because they've never read in Psalms 91 where it tells us, in verse 6, don't dread disease that stalks in the darkness, nor disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Flip down to verse 10, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold, your, uh, hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I didn't walk around with a mask on. I didn't walk around in fear. Oh my gosh, I hope I don't get COVID. I hope, you know, my two-year-old never wore a mask. My wife never wore a mask. Why? We didn't have to. We believe the Word of God. We saw what it said in Psalms 91, and we got the revelation. Hold on a second. There's supernatural protection for me. And so for a lack of knowledge, people perish. You have to be in your Word. And as you begin to read your Bible every day, you'll be feasting on the Word. You'll, you'll be reading something. As I said, there's over 8,000 covenant promises in this. You'll be reading something one day, and all of a sudden, you'll be like, oh, hold on a second. Look what God did for Abraham over there. Well, the Bible says I've received the same blessing of Abraham in Galatians 3. That means that, that what God did for Abraham, He promised He'd do it for me. Wait, hold on a second. God gave Abraham land? That means that God can give me land. That means that actually I'm entitled to land according to my covenant promise. You see what I mean? There's so many treasures just around every page in the Bible of things that you can have today, but first you have to see it, then you have to believe it in your heart, then you have to confess it with your mouth, and then by doing that you possess the promises of God with your faith. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know, I'm just going to end with that today. I told you it'd be short. I spent a lot of time in the beginning uh, chatting with you guys. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. You know, I actually, this was cool. I had one of my, a, a friend, I say one of my friends, it's my friend now, but I had a, a Muslim person message me on Instagram on the last video that I did and said, I see that you're a Christian. I want to receive Jesus Christ. What do I need to do? So I'm going to go ahead and just open that opportunity up. I'm going to talk to you about a few more things. So if you are saved, don't tune out and, and hop off. Just very simply, for those that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me simply say, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one God. There's only one way. Uh, to be made right with God, you have to believe that, confess that, and acknowledge that, and that's through God's Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible said that, that He came to the earth as a man. He was born of a virgin. That means that He was sinless. He knew no sin. So He was God's perfect sacrifice. He was the only one qualified to pay the price for sin. And He went to the cross. He allowed Himself to go to the cross. He took stripes on His back before he went to the cross for your healing, then he was nailed to the cross and shed his blood. And, and the Bible says that God put your sin, 
God put everything that disqualified you from being in His presence. He put it on Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ paid the price for it so that now you could be made right in God's eyes and receive righteousness as a free gift by simply believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that He's alive and God raised Him from the dead. God will take that righteousness and put it on you and cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. So if you'll make that confession, if you want to get right with God today, it's very simple. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I put my faith in your sacrifice that you made. I believe you shed your blood for my sin. I acknowledge you as the Lord, the only God. Now say, I believe that you are the only way to the Father. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for making me righteous and holy. I receive the gift of salvation now in Jesus' name. It's as simple as that. Can you say amen? Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.